as I mentioned on the previous episode, uh, I had made a bit of a switch kind of back towards the camera system which I was using previously. I have a bit of a weird camera history. I was Canon to start with, talking digitally here. Canon to start with, and then Sony was introduced kind of into the mix, but not really. I made a pretty committed movement towards Fuji a couple of years ago. And my, well, I think it's a couple of years ago now, time flies. And my wife didn't get on with Fuji. She wanted to go to Sony. So after a couple of months of a very expensive switch to Fuji, we made another expensive switch to to Sony and I miss the Fujis greatly, but you do what your wife tells you to do. That's how the world works. And ever since I've really missed using the Fuji system, especially from a personal sort of camera point of view. And uh, as I mentioned in the previous episode, I actually went and got myself uh, one of my dream cameras, which is the X-Pro3. I was very excited about that. I've been, nice. exci- I've been excited about that since it was announced. Um, it's very rare that I care about gear and I was very excited about that. So we're going to start off talking about Fuji. But let's just do a very quick recap. Everyone should have listened to the first episode with you in, but give us a brief rundown of who you are as a photographer. Uh, well, I am uh, Jason Hunter. I'm from Chesapeake, Virginia, which is like a small uh, town. Well, not really town, but a little city between Norfolk, Virginia and Virginia Beach. Uh, I shoot anything that really catches my eye. I don't really have a particular thing that I go after too much um, or really a, a style of any kind. So I'm just a, I'm a, just a hobbyist. Uh, I was mainly shooting film for the last like five ish years or so. Uh, and then now I found my way back to digital and the, the Fuji system has been wonderful. Uh, so, yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a boring photographer. Uh, I don't I don't and none of my photos have people in them. Um, I don't I don't like people in my my photos. So I'm not like a street photographer, but I like to be out on the streets. Right. Uh, if. So you're kind of an architectural photographer, I guess, in a sense. Yeah, a a little. I've I've gotten that before because I like I like sharp edges and lines. Mm -hmm. Um, So I gravitate towards like corners of buildings a lot. And I noticed this a couple of years ago, like I would get a roll of film back and there'd be like three or four photos of just a corner. Um, So I've kind of leaned into that more uh, lately over like the last year or so. Um, I even had like a little book. It was like, it was crappy. It was a crappy little zine. I've got it up here. Through together. I've got it over here on my wall. Oh, do you really? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a supporter. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's, it's, it, I wish I would have like thought more about it. And if, if I would have like really did it, I could have made everything the same. And then that way it all, it fits better. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and just had more, I don't know. Well, that's the, that's the joys of photography, right? Or any creativity is just constantly being miserable about decisions that you made 30 seconds ago. That's, that's, that's why yeah. we do it. It's just so we can be miserable about how bad we are at something that we're trying really hard at. Let's start off with Fuji. That's, that's, cause there's a, there's an interesting sort of parallel going on with film photographers. And then if they do venture into digital, they do tend to go for Fuji. So as you said, you're someone that's, that was shooting film for about five years and you've found your way back to digital. What, what particularly about Fuji did you, did you want to move across to? Well, I think, uh, I'm, so Sony had caught my eye and I was really th- like thinking about getting a Sony, but the, the problem that I saw from people that like, I trust that shoot with Sony cameras is that they feel like more like a piece of tech than mm-hmm. a, a camera itself. So like the menus are all like, hard to get through navigate. Um, the image quality is stellar, but sometimes the colors are off. 
Um, and with Fuji is there's this like, you know, 99% of the time that the colors are going to look right. The cameras have manual, manual feel to them. Pretty much all their lenses have an aperture dial on them. Um, so when I first got mine, I was shooting it completely manual and now I've kind of like, so I went back to shooting digital way where I'm just in aperture priority mode and I let the camera do right. whatever it wants. Um, and I've noticed that like there's a Fuji X weekly. I don't know if you've heard of them. Mm-hmm. Um, they make the film Sims. Yeah. The app, so, they've got the app that you can kind of go through and do the recipes with. Yeah. Yeah. And like recently I've discovered uh, the Fuji raw studio. I don't know if you played around with this, but if you plug your camera into your computer, um, you can go through there and if you have a raw file and you have those Fuji X files, like the film sims loaded up in there, you can go through and select them and like kind of see what each film sim would look like before you, you, oh, wow. you know, commit to it. Wow. I mean, but since I picked my one up, I had the X-T3. I had a few X-T3s and at one point I had an X-T2, but that was kind of standalone. I really like the X-T3s for work. I think that the they they're the good compromise between like you said, Sony's make you miserable. I, I, I shoot Sony, I'm not being like a dick that's like attacking a side that I don't have anything to do with. I literally yesterday took three thousand photos on a Sony. I've done twenty weddings or so so far this year on Sony's. Um for work, right. they're they're brilliant. Once you really get through the like the Japanese internment camp menu system which is just torture. Once you actually get your head around it and you limit your interaction with it, they can be fantastic cameras for kind of getting out of your way, but they absolutely don't make you want to shoot. Like one thing I noticed with this in particular on like Instagram, if you look at people that shoot Sony's, they spend all of their time doing like self portraits with their cameras to prove that they're photographers. It's like a status symbol. It's not like they think it's edgy and cool. They're not really pushing any, sort of envelope with with photography they're just underexposing a load of shitty portraits and then bringing all of the detail back with the dynamic range in the raws with fuji it makes you want to go out and shoot and kind of in the same way i adopted film last year and i'm I'm an absolute baby with it i'm terrible with with film photography and i'm having fun with it but i'm not good at it but what i liked about film and what i what keeps growing on me is the the lack of post work you have to do once you've developed and you've scanned that's the photo it feels a lot more honest it feels a lot more truthful especially i photograph a lot of people that's a very dishonest business overall and with the fuji what i'm doing is i've got one card set to raw one card set to jpegs so far i haven't touched a raw file i've liked every jpeg that i've taken off of the camera the options that you've got in terms of like the film sims and and the, the little tweaking of the highlights and shadows and the grain and so on make it just such a fun, a fun camera to use. And it's literally made me go out for walks in bad weather at night. I literally got kicked out of a a, a part of town I was in last week at like two in the morning because I was out taking pictures of buildings. And they, I guess they thought I was some kind of like Fuji terrorist that was out scoping the, the place out in some like shitty nowhere town in England. I was going to go and do something really evil with a with a Fuji camera, whatever, I don't know. But that's what I like about the Fuji. It feels like it's, it's, you focus on the shooting and then you have a photo and that's it. It's, it's all done in the process. So you can focus on being a photographer rather than being like a guy sat in front of his laptop being miserable. Yeah. It's, it, they, um, 
And it's cool because like if you go into Lightroom, if you shoot raw, if you decide to shoot raw, you go into Lightroom, all the regular film, like classic Chrome, Eterna, all that's still there. So you can pick those later if you decide to. Um, like this month, I decided all month I'm just going to shoot nothing but black and white. Mm-hmm. And if I put in this this Tri-X, it doesn't really look like Tri-X. I mean, it, it's, they cut, he says it's Tri-X looking, but, it, you know, after looking at so many Tri-X photos, it's, not, it's like a little off. Um, it's a little too clean, I feel like. Right. And kind of too smooth. But anyways, like I've loaded up that. And now this all this month, I'm just going to shoot jack, black and white JPEGs right. all month long and see kind of what I get. And it's nice, like you said, like because it's like a happy medium, like I'm shooting digital, but I'm also like kind of getting the the feeling of why I like film. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I got to tone back some of like how I've been shooting, because like with a roll of film, you only get 36 shots or less if you're shooting like 120. And now I'm like, I'll come home and I'll have like 50 pictures. And I'm like, well, if I was shooting film, I wouldn't have shot 50 photos. I would have shot 36. And I'm realizing that those extra like 14 or whatever are kind of garbage. Um, <laughs> so I got to like, I got to get back to like the mindset of like making every photo count. Right. And with digital, you really don't have to do that. You know, it's, I got unlimited amount of photos in here. Well, isn't the, isn't the trick for that? You can go and get like a one gigabyte card. Yeah. And, yeah, and then yeah. like that literally is limiting you to so few pictures. Yeah, I I did that. I had like um I think it was eight gigabytes. Um, but they were really slow. And I shoot the same RAW plus JPEG. So I have one card with RAW, one uh, card with JPEG in it. And like the load speeds were so slow. Like you would take a picture and you're like, all right, well, here it goes. And it's like thinking and thinking and then it goes. <laughs> so then I just put back to scan discs like extreme pros or whatever they're called. Uh sixty four gig cards and I just been happy with those. So it, I don't want to be too controversial. That would be terrible for someone like me to be. But it, what? Why the move away from away from film? And I think we're probably going to go on a bit of a deep dive here. But film is in. I keep getting told it's in an ascendancy. I feel like it's starting to taper at the top. I feel like we're getting to the point where it's about as popular as it can be, with regards to like the feasibility, the costs, and so on for for the industry at large. So, what what in particular about film did you? I don't want to make this sound bad, but did you want to move away from? Oh, mainly just like the cost. It's just so, it's so expensive. And then there's nothing wrong with, I think, well, when I first started shooting film, you could go on eBay and you could find whatever you want for a couple hundred dollars. Um, but now it's like, well, if you want a RB67, it would have cost you $300 a couple of days ago, a year ago or so. And now it's like almost $900. Like everything's doubled. Um, and the price of film's gone up. Uh, some film stocks are no longer with us, sadly, like 400H. Um, not that I shot that a lot, but it's, it's you're starting to see like, um, I don't know. It, if I spend, and digital is not cheap either, so I don't want to make it sound like it's, it's cheap because mm-hmm. I could buy a lot of film and a nice, a really nice film camera for what I paid for my X-T4, the 35F14, and the 56F12. Like that's like, I don't know, it's like 3,500 bucks, you know, something like that in that range. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of, that's a lot of portrait 400. Uh, and, and <laughs> you know, so it's not like any cheaper, but like, it's not, um, for me, I just kind of wanted to get away from it for a while and see how I like this. And I didn't expect to like this camera as much as I did. Cause I had a D750 before this. I came from Nikon. I was a Canon guy. Then I went to Nikon and I went to Fuji. Uh, and when my D750 got older, I was like, oh, I need something new. So I got this and I never touched my D750 for like personal work. 
Uh-huh. And now I'm finding like, well, I'll just grab this. And then I come home and the pictures are okay. And I'm like, well, this didn't cost me, you know, $20 in film and another $20 to develop it. I saved $40 this week. Yeah. So I just kind of, I kind of moved away from it. And the, the, I don't know how long, cause there's only, there's like a finite amount of film cameras. Right. So right. as popular as it gets, as it keeps going, they're all going to get bought up. And then if you want one, you're going to have to pay the market value and, you know, with demand going high, the prices go high and it's, it's not this, um, it is cause you can still get something cheap. Like some of the, like, some of the, like the better cameras are still going under the radar. Like the Nikon FE. I think that's, that's one of my favorite film SLRs ever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got the best on and off switch ever. Cause it's just a film lever. And if you pull it out a little bit, the camera turns on. It's, right. it's wonderful. It's a wonderful camera. But anyways, but you can still get one of them for pretty cheap and you can still get like Fuji Sapira film for cheap and shoot film for cheap. But if you want to get into it, get into it and you're like, well, I'm looking to upgrade and get something a little nicer and I want a contacts, you know, or Rolly flex or anything like that. The prices are just higher and higher. And with them, like film YouTubers, anytime they say, I mention a camera, the prices go up because they're like, Oh, I got to have this one. Insane. Honestly, it really, it really fucking annoys me because it's like, you already have the problem of there being, it's a sparse market. Like you said, there's only a finite number of cameras around. And then I don't really know. It's like, it's kind of like scorching the earth a little bit, right? Because you, you get the camera at the price. If you're, you know, popular photographer A that's on YouTube, I don't want to say names because I sound like I'm picking on someone, but if you're a particular popular photographer and you buy a camera and it's at the price it is today. So let's say it's $500. Let's just throw a random number out. And then you make a video out of it. It's going to be like, I don't know, 750. Literally by the time that people have seen the videos, even people, I don't think people are even watching the videos. I think people literally see the title and it will say, you know, RB67. And they're going straight onto eBay to Google, uh, to go straight onto eBay or Google to find somewhere like either their local camera store or eBay or whatever to find their own one of that. And then that demand then pushes the price up. The people, it just, it it all feels like this whole idea of like a community is kind of, it's a wonderful word for not what it is. It's kind of, it's a very self-serving thing to do because you get to kind of brag about what you bought and that you didn't have to pay that much for it. And at the same time, drive up the market, drive up the prices and piss off people that were, were looking for one previously. It's, it's it, I don't know. It seems like a very funny system. Yeah. And like, well, it's, it's, well, it's weird because with digital, because you could say the same for digital. Like if I see when I was looking to buy a Fuji camera and I'm like, oh, what, what 35 millimeter lens do I want? And they're like, well, there's the seven artisans and there's this, the Fuji F14 and the F2, but the F2 is like faster autofocus and has weather ceiling, but like the F14 has magic to it. And I'm like, okay, well, I went to F14. That's like the lens I want. I went on eBay, I watched YouTube videos and then I bought it. The problem is that you can just go into any Best Buy or B&H or Adorama and get that lens. Mm-hmm. And there's like plenty of supply. So there's the problem with film is there's like, there's just not that supply. So it's not, I don't know if it's the fault of the YouTube guys. Um, it's just a, it's just how it is. There's just not enough cameras to go around. And then ultimately it's either going to be, I feel like it's almost to the point now and I felt this like way for like about a year or two now with prices going up. It's almost like a, a status 
thing. Right. Like the RZ six, seven used to be that that was like the camera that people that were popular shot with everybody wanted one. And then they're like, I have to have an RZ. So when I got my RB six, seven, everybody's like, well, this camera's like 75% is good and costs $300. And you know, it's not going to, it's not going to break. It's got no electronics in it or anything like that. So that's what I went with. And there used to be like cheaper options, but mm-hmm. now like even like cheaper things like K 1000s are going for expensive amounts and OM, uh, OM threes and or OM twos and OM fours. They're, they're like getting expensive. So I don't know. There's, a, there's only so many models of cameras yeah. that you can pick from. And the good thing about film is like when you look at a film camera, like of course, like different lenses have different characteristics, but for the most part, if you put Fortra 400 in like one SLR and you put it in another, you're going to get like the same photos. Yeah. If everything's like part, like it doesn't matter if it's Canon or Nikon or whatever. Um, so it's a little easier to be like, I want this and then I want this look. So I put this film in it or digital when you're shopping around. It's like, it's kind of hard because I don't, I, I film photography has certain cliches and I love them. Like I love the old classic cars. Mm-hmm. I love the grainy look. I love the high contrasty black and whites. So when you're shooting for like shopping for digital, it's like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's harder. So the, the voices in the film community seem a little bit more unified, but mm. they're all kind of, they're all kind of chasing the same thing. They're all yeah. kind of shooting the same thing, especially if they're all like in San Francisco or New York or wherever they're at. Um, or even like shooting mountains and wildlife photography, not wildlife, but landscape photography and things like that. And they all tend to shoot the same cameras and take the same kind of photos. And then everybody's like, well, I want to do that. So I'm going to go get this camera. Mm. And it's just, there's just not enough supply to, to match that demand. Well, I mean, you, you, you're talking about like cliches of, of the, of the film world. And one thing I have seen come up lately is I think it's called analog repeat. It's a very funny little meme page on those cliches of of film photography. And one thing that does seem to have come out of that, uh, at least from my observation, is that for the most part, people seem to be taking it on the chin and, and being able to laugh at themselves. And, you know, I've had people take the piss out of my photos and when they're funny, they're funny. It's like, you've got a point. And I understand maybe for some people, it can sting a little bit when someone says something about something you've created. But one thing I have certainly noticed is that there does seem to be some people maybe some of the bigger names within the film community that aren't doing such a good job at maybe not taking that too seriously. And they're, they're getting a little bit too caught up in their own feelings about being uh, put on the spot, I guess, or being made light of, um, especially when they are just out there, you know, making kind of cliche photos, which, you know, it's, it's not a false accusation. It's what you're doing. You kind of just have to own it. And, you know, I photograph, I've had people say to me like, uh, if I photograph models, they're like, oh, you know, how hard is it to photograph someone that's good looking? And it's like, well, yeah, that's a pretty fair point. Like they're doing a lot of the heavy lifting. I mean, you can make a good looking person look pretty bad of a camera, but for the most part, you know, a good looking person does the heavy lifting. If you photograph flowers, flowers are generally good looking. So the flower is doing an awful lot of heavy lifting for you. You have to still do your part, but it's a fair kind of, not accusation, but it's a fair observation. So it's kind of strange to me that this film community, which seems to be more and more you're seeing certain people rise up out of it and get more and more notoriety and more and more attention. And they seem to be the ones that maybe aren't the best at 
um, laughing at themselves. If that if that sounds fair. Yeah, because well, like I used to follow that account, and I he whoever he they whoever they are that, that runs it. Uh, I th- I thought it was funny. He they got a little like too personal for me. Like some of the things, not like towards like me or like things like that, but like how they were like talking about people got like a little too right personal and they're like too much of a dick about it. So I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't really support that account anymore. Um, Cause there's like one thing, like you're saying, like putting them together in a collage and taking a jab at somebody. And it's like generally true. It's, it's true. And it's funny. Um, but another thing is like, Calling some dude's wife a bitch and things like that and like okay right well like, I haven't seen anything like, like that if there's stuff like that oh, yeah, that's that, just not okay that was with the that was with Joe Greer like he right. like this whoever runs that account hates Joe Greer um, and a lot yeah. of people hate Joe Greer but I I think that what you have to take away from somebody like like Joe Greer is not going to listen to this I'll I'll say whatever I want about him uh, but the thing is Joe Greer is an excellent marketer. Like he's good at marketing himself mm. and he's good at making himself out to be this, like, I don't know. It's, it's almost like he's got a persona yeah. and this is like, this is it. I'm going to wear vintage clothes and wear these sunglasses. I'm going to shoot with Leica. I'm going to shoot these types of photos. Me and my wife are going to travel around to these hotels like he was doing, but like, Hey, like that's this thing and it worked for him. And I'm pretty sure that most people would be like, well, you know, you can travel around with your wife and take pictures of hotels with your Leica and People are going to pay you money to do it. Most people will be like, okay, yeah, sure. Right. Uh, you just got to keep that like social media presence. Um, so I, I think that's like his like business model. I don't, I don't see Joe. I see Joe Greer more of a businessman than a photographer. And I don't know if that's a knock to him, but that's just kind of how I view somebody like him. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like he does, he's a better businessman than I am right? Uh, for sure. So, cause like, if you, like you shoot weddings and things like that. And some people are just genuinely better at like marketing themselves. Right. Like we have a lady around here. Her name's Caitlin James. She's a photographer. She's awesome. But like everything about her and her persona is like picture perfect. They have like little white dogs. She wears these like dresses. Her photos are light and airy. She gets to fucking take pictures of these like $10,000 venues and stuff like that. Like, of course her photos are good. She's got Mm -hmm. like beautiful couples and beautiful venues. Like, no shit. Like her, her stuff's going to look good. Uh, but that's how she's marketed herself. And that's how she's like able to charge 15, $20,000 for a wedding. Cause they know like they are, they already got the money to make that look a reality where it's just not the but same for everybody. Isn't that the case now? I mean, I look at the digital side of things and like with YouTube, you know, there's, there's plenty of, you know, there's plenty of photographers that are making making money out of photographers, not making money out of photography. Like Frono's photo, I can't, I couldn't tell you a single photo that he's ever taken. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't. I guarantee most, if not all, of his audience couldn't pick one out of a lineup if it wasn't a picture of someone that appears on the channel or something that has happened on the channel. But he's made his money from selling shit, either reviews or whatever to photographers for, for basically for people that just like that kind of repetition. And I know that's that I, now I sound like I'm taking shots, but it's, it's, it's safety, oh, no, it's good. safety blanket entertainment. It's like, I, I, yeah. I like, you know, uh, I'll say soccer cause you guys can't name your sports correctly. Uh, let's say with soccer, it, you get people that will just listen to aimless bullshit 
talked by people that have no authority on on something. They don't know anything. They've never done anything in that field. But because it's talking about a subject that you find comforting or fun or it takes your mind off of the bullshit that the real world has become, you you just absorb that media at great length. And when you apply ad space to people just absorbing enormous amounts of trash media, that makes that person appear successful. And by successful, we automatically, because of how the past has sort of worked, think that someone's an expert because they're successful. And they're not necessarily an expert. They're just a voice that people can be bothered to continuously listen to. And I think that film inevitably was going to have people rise up out of it who are good at the, like the fucking three-point YouTube lighting that everyone does that drives me fucking insane because it's just like, yeah, we've seen a YouTube video now. We know how to do you know, a little kicker light, your main light and a little bit of fill. We know how to do that now, thanks. Make sure there's a practical in there in the background that's warm so that you can have it slightly out of focus so that everyone can look at the bokeh of your your Sony or your whatever. Like, I just, you got to talk about your coffee because everyone gives a shit about your coffee. Like, you got to tell people about how you have some really obscure coffee that's made out of, like, yak shit and it takes you three days to pour it over your artisan fucking glass pour, whatever. I just, there's so much of this that is clearly all icing and very, very little cake. And it's comforting to people and people will enjoy that. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But I, I think the issue comes, like you said, there's a difference between someone that's good at business and someone that's good at their what their business is. Like people have, I know plenty of people that are very, very good at marketing themselves. They're the best at lying about themselves online. And then you have the people that are very good at what they do, but they are awful at marketing themselves, especially in a social media age. And you can't apply the expert sort of moniker to someone who's just good at pretending online. That's totally different to actually being an expert at something. And with the way that YouTube is, with the way that Instagram is, the people that are just better at lying online are going to be the ones that are more noticeable and they're going to be the ones that are going to rise up above the others. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like the Frodo's photos is like spot on. Like I guess like if you Google D fifty three hundred or whatever, a hundred percent, I guarantee yep. you, like one of his photos on like how to use the camera and things like that is going to pop up. And he's like a character, and people like character. That's why the Kardashians are popular. You know what I'm saying? Like they're these people are like the Kardashians of photography, and there's a. You know, and there's like almost a need for it too, because I like enjoying content like that. Not Frono's photos on one hand, but I like watching like, you know, chill vibes, music and B-roll of coffee being pulled. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just, I, I, I enjoy it. I, I do. Uh, it's safe. It's very safe. It's safe. But when it comes to like, is this person going to teach me something? Probably, probably not. <laughs> But not that I wouldn't find, I'd rather find it out in a book. Like I've been trying to get more photo books because I feel like there's more value in a photo book than there is in a YouTube video from yeah. like learning from like true masters of the craft. Um, and if you're going to take it more serious, like again, I'm just a hobbyist. So it's not like I'm trying to be the next Angel Adams, but I guarantee there's some person out in Montana shooting large format film that's probably 60, 70 years old that knows everything there is about large format film that could teach you everything, but they don't, they don't have an Instagram or a YouTube channel. They're just yep. out there 
doing something that they love. And you could probably learn far more from them than you could somebody on YouTube. Yeah. So, but I think like, again, like, like Brian, you know, you've, you've had Brian on here, I think twice. Right. Uh, Brian Briggs. He, he'll be like straight up and say like, I don't know everything. I'm going to try to figure it out. And this is how it is. And I like that. I respect that. And I like that a lot more than somebody else that, you know, proclaims that there's some kind of expert. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, you have to always be concerned about and concerned. I don't want to say you have to be concerned, like it has to keep you up at night, but you should always be, I wish people were more critical. One thing I've, I've done with my wife, my wife is a very positive person and I'm an extremely negative person. And I don't want to make her a negative person. Like I, th- I think it's a blessing to not be constantly miserable. I think that's a real blessing. If you can, if your default position is to be positive about the world, that should be protected. If you know someone that is like that and you're not like that, you should protect them from feeling like you do. But one thing I've really tried with her is to make her more cynical, to make her more uh, proactive in realizing how much bullshit there is or realizing, you know, look for the signs of certain things not being what they're being proclaimed to be. And it's actually funny. We talked about this a little while ago. One of the, you mentioned the lady in your area. One of the things that I've noticed quite a bit is that the, the, um, the, I don't want to say like the celebrity of photography, but like the, the notoriety of photographers on somewhere like YouTube seems to split in terms of gender with the, for the most part, for the most part, obviously nothing is everything because this isn't communist Russia. There is actually a little bit of gray area, but the guys are like the cool, you know, whatever, you know, we're just going to smoke some weed, drink some coffee, whatever, you know, like we're so laid back. It's so easy. Come and hang out. We're just friends. And the women are like, this is how you can make more money out of photography. This is how you can reach more clients. This is how you can get bookings secured faster. This is how you can grow your business X. And it's so bizarre because you would think through a, a century of gender stereotypes that it would be the guys um, that would be pushing for the monetary side of things. And it would be the women that were pushing for the artistic side of things or to, to come across as more friendly. Yeah. I was, I was asking my wife, who's the, uh, the lady she likes on YouTube, but you're, 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 you're right. I, this is no knock to any man especially you who do weddings. But when it comes to like looking at content on YouTube to find out like how to shoot weddings and pose people, I'm a hundred percent, not a hundred percent. Nothing's like you said, nothing's a hundred percent. But like most of the time I'm watching a woman teach me how to pose people mm-hmm. and do things because I, I don't like, I don't want to say I don't like, cause there's probably somebody I like most of the time when I see wedding photography and not that I'm some big wedding photographer, or I do it all the time. But when I see wedding photography that I really like most of the time it's from a woman. Yeah. It just seems, it seems like softer. It seems more intimate. Uh, it's light and airy. And I like that style. And a lot of them kind of have the same style and look. Yeah. And you're right. When you go on here, I think I can't, I cannot think of this lady's name, but my wife watches her all the time, but she's the same way. She's like, this is how you, this is how you make business cards. And this is how you build your website and things like that. And they, I mean, I've watched, I've watched tutorials on wedding photography, not not wedding photography, but as a business when I first started. And one of the biggest tips they gave was when you meet someone uh, who is a potential client, make sure you buy their coffee so that they feel like you're on, you're on this like friendly level with them. And it's like, 
that's not a tip you would ever get from the male side of things because the male side of things would be like you know you got to make sure you got your 24 to 70 you got to make sure you got your 70 to 200 make sure you got all for, like it's always just fucking gear and and one of the things i actually got told was about making sure you have a nice car a guy a guy was telling me like if you ever turn up for a meeting with clients make sure you've got a nice car because it gives the air of being like successful and i just thought i, I can't imagine anyone can give even the remotest shit about like they probably won't even notice what car you turn up in and if they do and it's that much of an issue for them they're probably just not your clients they're probably someone else's clients and you should be happy with that and it feels like you know like i mean you've kind of said there that the 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 majority of good wedding photography is or great photography for for weddings is done by women and i think that's down to being less focused on gear and more focused on the actual overall aesthetic like everything involved you know there's there's a through line from how they photograph the venue to how they photograph the shoes to how they photograph the couple to how they everything looks like it's taken a lot of thought to get to that end product whereas i seem to find that male wedding photography and i know we're going on a weird tangent here but it's more like war photography it's like you just got to get a fucking it's photo. It's documentary. Yeah, you just got to get a fucking photo while it's going on. Like, just fucking, like, it doesn't matter if it's a good one or if someone's blinking or if someone fell over. Just make sure you get a photo. Jesus Christ, don't get the wrong focal length. That's the most important thing. And with the women, it seems to be so much more thought out. Yeah, because my, my wife is the, like I said, we, we might do like two, three weddings a year, something like that. So it's not like a, it's not like our business or anything like that. It's just like friends, family, people that like, might need somebody. They know us. So we, we do it. Uh, but my wife is like 100% the boss. Like she does everything from like talking to the people to planning everything to talking to the bride about styling and things like that. And then when I get there, I just shut up and do whatever she tells me to do. Cause she knows <laughs> more than me when it comes to like how things should be aesthetically pleasing. And it's funny. Cause like my wife will put everything together and it's, everything's like immaculate. Everything, like all the earrings are placed one way when like the, the uh, invitations here. And then we have this ribbon that she buys and like these like silver trays that we put all the accessories on and the shoes, everything's like done up and it all looks the same. And then after the ceremony and after we do like portraits of everybody and we're doing the reception, she lets me free. And like half the photos are like, like you said, they're like documentary style, harsh black and white. Yeah. Like, it's just a, it's like our style completely changes when I'm allowed to do it myself and I'm not focused on like the aesthetics of it. I am, but not like, not like that. Like I'm trying to make, I'm trying to like capture moments and my wife's trying to make things pretty. Yeah. I think that's, that's the difference. And then I'm like, well, we're going to be in this, like, it's going to be dark out. So I need to at least be, have my, you know, like you said, 24 to 70 F 2.8. I got to have that. Uh, maybe I'll get like a Cinebloom filter to blow out the highlights a little bit. Like I'm thinking about like the technical aspects. My wife's thinking about making pictures that are pretty and people would like. Yeah. Uh, so there's definitely a difference in like that and then that's not for this like again i don't want to repeat this it's not for every everybody's not this and oh no i've seen some tragic female wedding photographers that that are, that are just woeful and i've seen some some i mean my favorite photographer of all time is a male wedding photographer and he has just an unbelievably amazing through line of he's found this perfect medium between street photography and, and fashion and applied it to weddings and i think it looks phenomenal you know I think that there isn't a right style for any kind of photography. 
like that that's the worst sort of mindset for people to get in and i and that's something you see with with a place like youtube you see i mean i, I can't stand these like which one of these should you buy or how you should do street for like they 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 sort of purport to be the the authority on how something should or shouldn't be done or what you should or shouldn't buy what the rules are or what they aren't and so on that's the problem with somewhere like youtube is that it it creates authority without intelligence i agree with that i think well i think well there's again i think there's a difference if you're teaching somebody like the fundamentals and then like and somebody doesn't know anything about photography and you're like all right well this is how the rule of thirds work Mm -hmm. this is how you should think about composition this is how you should think about light and things like that and then you take these tools and you're like this is it you can't really i've always been told this i don't know how true it is but you can't really learn to like kind of start breaking rules unless you understand them hundred percent first. Yeah. You know? So like, and, and some of these videos are like, Oh, the, this is, this is the best three techniques you should learn or some bullshit like that. Yeah. And it's like rule of thirds and composition and light and understanding aperture and things like that. There's that, that stuff needs to be said um, and taught on there. But like you said, like you're like some people, I think the biggest problem is just people acting like they're an authority on something when they're they're not yeah and there just needs to be some kind of disclaimer like hey like i don't know everything but this is what i've learned I, like i respect that a whole lot more yeah than this is that this is just the way it is but it comes across to me like it's when someone has one of those videos where they show one of their photos and then they explain why it's so good it, it's almost like when you get <laughs> someone show you a histogram to explain why their photo is good like, right. it's like, it sounds more like you're trying to convince yourself than you're trying to convince me. Yeah. Oh, I don't know how, I don't, I don't know. Cause like, uh, I deleted my whole Instagram, not the whole thing, but like I, I took all the pictures away and started over. Right. So then I'm like going back and I'm looking back and I'm like, these pictures suck. <laughs> so I don't know, like at the time, maybe I thought, oh, well, I've never, I might take, I might've taken 10 good photos in my entire life, uh, that I could like say, these are, I would stand for but like most of the time like i take photos and then like two weeks later like these are shitty like i don't even know what i was thinking but that's a good thing that's a that's a good mentality to have because it means that you're never you know you i mean you're never going to be one of those people that's just like hey everyone come and check out how fucking amazing my fart smell come and like right. I, i'm this um, I've i've done it i've accomplished what i needed to because you know i've done pictures of people wearing halloween masks with smoke bombs and I've done those like teal and orange portraits where I underexposed by five stops or, yeah. you know, whatever. You, you still have that kind of, that ambition to do better. I, with the film community, and, and this is way more your area than mine, and I'm still kind of getting a bit of a gag reflex when I say film community, because for the most part, I haven't seen the community side of the film community. It tends to be a bunch of gatekeepers that are higher up the food chain that are extremely reliant on the lower end of the, of the food chain constantly kissing their ass and the minute that that stops they're almost like hard done by they're almost like i don't know it's very strange i mean i i had one particular maybe i'm okay so i should probably be very transparent i did have one particular incident where uh, i was being asked repeatedly by about four or five people i won't lie about the number of people and say oh everyone's been messaging me about such and such it was about four right. or five people. That's like the number one lie on YouTube. If I can teach everyone right now to be more cynical, anytime you hear someone say, everyone's been asking, they either mean literally no one's asked them, but they want to talk about it, or they mean maybe five people have asked them. 
That's the only possible outcome. They haven't had everyone ask them anything. That that I hate that whole thing of like the hyperbole. I'm, I'm so yeah, that I'm just so in demand that literally there are people whose heartbeat stops if I don't talk about what I want to talk about. None of that. I had four or five people that kept bringing up a very, 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 very prominent film YouTuber, like one of the one of the most prominent, and. It would be such a great person to get on the podcast. Can you get him on the podcast? Can you get him on the podcast? This happened for a little while. In the end, I kind of folded. And it was during the first lockdown over here. I messaged this person and they informed me that it would cost me $200 an hour for me to speak with them for the podcast. At which point I actually just remember laughing quite a bit because I just thought that's like, it's so funny to have an appearance fee during a lockdown for like Zoom. Like, just don't do it. If you don't want to do it, just don't do it. It's pretty straightforward. So I do get the impression that the, the, the community side of film community isn't quite what people think it is. It's a lot of small fishes kissing a lot of big fishes asses. And then uh, you get like almost brand allegiance to particular YouTube or Instagram accounts that people are so in love with that particular person's work or their uh, their life aesthetic or the way they speak or whatever that they get so behind them that they're they're you know they can't do any wrong. I just wonder from your point of view, do you feel like there's the potential for the way that the film community kind of is at the moment that it's going to push people away from film? Ah. Uh. Hmm. In in some regards, yes. In other regards, no. Um, like there's a there's a guy. He got all his stuff stolen. Um, this has been like six months ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. And everybody banded together and like raised money to get him his stuff back. So when some people's like, "Oh, the film community's awesome," they're talking about stuff like that. And hmm, there's no. I what I've noticed from Instagram is that if you preach community, people are more likely to be friendly and help others because they feel a part of something. Right. And Instagram. So look at me, look at me, look at me, look, listen to what I'm saying. When you turn that tension back on other people, people really like it. Right. Like, you know, um, I've had, I've not that I'm, this sounds so arrogant and shitty, but not that I'm like some person big person or whatever but i've had messages somebody asked me like a question they're like oh how do you like the fuji and i'm like well you know i like this and that this is okay i like really love it and they're like do you miss film or whatever and i'm like "Ah, a little bit you know we'll just talk for a second and it's nothing really i'm just kind of like you know smoking a cigarette and just kind of barely replying to them not that like that's yeah i know what you mean i know what you mean mean. you're just having a brief discussion Right. We're just having a brief talk and they'll be like, well, I cannot believe that you answered my message. Right. And I'm like, like, I wonder how many times this person's like messaged somebody and they didn't get a reply back. And then finally they message me and they see like that I have a lot of followers or something or whatever. And they're like, I can't believe this guy like messaged me back. He's like somebody. And the reality is I'm just like in my basketball shorts sitting outside smoking a cigarette like I'm, I'm like nobody I don't even make money from this shit so uh I think the more the more welcoming you are and and you try to treat people good the more like a community you can actually make but as it gets more popular it's hard to keep everybody happy yeah and then that's where it like falls apart but like if you had asked me 
is there really a film community like two or three years ago? Like, yeah, absolutely. Like these are, these are people that would like, if you put out a zines or soul prints, like people would buy them and people still do that, but it's hard to support everybody. Yeah. So people feel excluded from that. And then like, it kind of weakens the whole philosophy of like being a community. And as people get more popular, they're less likely to respond to messages and things like that. Cause they think better than themselves. And then that weakens it too. And they become gatekeepers. Cause there was, if honestly, like three or four years ago, you could send a message to pretty much anybody that shot film and ask them about like developing or what they thought about certain film stocks or whatever or cameras. And they would be like, yeah, this is what I like about film and this is how I do it. And this is how I develop my film. And that's what was the great thing about being into film at the time and still now to the day in some, some respects. But like if you message somebody that shoots digital and they're like, how do you edit your photos or what kind of camera you like? Normally you get the response like, Oh, the gear doesn't matter. And how you edit your photos doesn't matter. All that matters is you're taking photos. Like that's bullshit, dude. Yeah. Like, that's a bullshit answer. I feel like that is, it's like, they want to know. So just fucking tell them, don't be, don't be a dick about it. If you shoot Sony, like I shoot Sony and this is the lens I use and, that's it. Yeah. Um, so I, I've always felt like the film community has been more open, but like it, the problem, like I said, is like, as it grows and gets bigger, that, that like gets watered down. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Trend. I mean, I did the, I did the, the, I can't remember what it was. Like not GoFundMe. I'm one of those, I've become one of those old people now in, in lockdown. I've become, I've aged like 10 years in one year and I've become one of those old people that uses the wrong word for everything. So like yeah. I'd call Coke Pepsi because the only word I know for that type of drink is Pepsi, that kind of thing. So it wasn't a GoFundMe, but whatever it was, it was a fundraising thing for previous podcast guest, um, Geraldo, who'd had his camera stolen um, on his trip home. And it like it, the money just flew in. It was amazing to see. The majority of people that donated were outside of photography. They were people that knew him, um, friends of his, people that had followed him on, on Instagram or people that had followed me that had followed the podcast and, you know, were really generous. And there were some people that were crazy generous and it was, it was a bit mind blowing to be honest with you. Right. I'll tell you who didn't donate was a single name. That's a big name on YouTube or a big, or or anything like that. And I'll tell you why is because the film community, right? You'd think the film community would be, these guys have had, so many people lift them up and they're not that they're not deserving of being lifted up through their work or through their personality right, right. or providing something that people want to watch, but they've been lifted up. Why should they put anything back in? And it might be a case that they didn't see that particular, that particular GoFundMe or whatever. I can say, because we enjoy the metrics of seeing people who have viewed certain stories, that there were plenty of people that are considered to be relatively successful in terms of their public appearance as a photographer that made no attempt to even contact or share anything like that. Right. The community for some people is the, the big number that comes after their, their name when it comes to followers or the big number that comes after when it comes to views or what, or likes or anything like that, anything that's a self metric, that's when it's a community. But when it's time for people to chip back in, or to maybe, you know, pass stuff down the ladder to help people up, all of a sudden it's not a community anymore. That's people taking advantage of them or they're just completely blind to it. That's the truth. Sounds mean, but that's the truth. 
Right. But I think, I think me and you uh, differ on what we see as the film community. I don't see these like bigger names as the community. They might have a community around them and people that support them. But when I think of the film community, I'm not thinking of them. I'm thinking about the, like, I could, there's probably a hundred people right now that I could ask a favor of that, sh- that I've known through shooting film and they would like help me out. Uh-huh. That's who I'm thinking of. Yeah. So I think that's the, that's the difference that between like you, like the big names and the people, I don't want to say underneath them, but the people supporting them. Yeah. Cause like, that's what I view the film community as. Like uh, when I did the restore from backup thing, we had a Facebook group. I think we had like, I don't know, seven, 800 people in the, in the Facebook group. And these people were awesome. They were like anything you need to help with, they would help you out. But there wasn't like big names in there doing things. It mm-hmm. was just the regular people that just hobbyists. Like the guy or the girl shooting film and de- developing in their basement. Yeah. That's who I'm thinking of. Uh, there's a, there's a guy, uh, his name is Brian. He's on Twitter and things like that, but he calls himself film dad. Right. right? And he's, he's like an older guy and he's always got some like dad jokes or whatever, but he's like that kind of guy that I think of when I think of film community. Cause he's like, somebody needed a camera. He's like, Oh, I have like, you know, three or four just sitting around. Like, do they need a camera? I can get them a camera. That kind yeah. of, that that's the kind of person I'm thinking of when I think of community, not so much like the big dudes or girls. You're right. We do see it differently in the way that I'm kind of viewing it and I'm very new to it. So I'm basically wrong. This is, this is the fun, fun part of you're being not, you're new. Not wrong. That's how you see it. That's a, it's okay. But I see it as like, and this is going to sound corny as fuck, but bear with me. It's kind of like in the way that you'd view a family in the sense that you're, if you have someone in your family you are all of the same sort of socioeconomic level and one person wins the lottery. It's not their responsibility to help everyone out. But if you have someone that's in severe crisis that would have helped you out and has supported you over the years, but now because your number is bigger than their number, you don't feel like you owe them something or you can turn your back to it. I don't see that as being a good community. And it seems like, and I'm definitely, definitely 100% wrong here because I have not got all of the names I can think of in, in my head right now clear, but it seems like the vast majority of people that start to build up some notoriety, and actually in photography, not just film, as soon as they start to build up some notoriety and they start to kind of go through the gears of becoming more and more prominent, all of a sudden they are completely incapable. And I think it's like you said, that they start to see their numbers go up and they they think that they're a bit above it. It's it all of like like chipping back in or helping people out or answering messages. They think a bit right. too highly of themselves to do it. And I don't I don't think that's to defend the film fucking community. I don't think it's <laughs> I don't think it's film that does that. I think that that's right. photography and probably in most creative arts when you start to get a little bit of attention and it just so happens that at the moment social media is the attention that people tend to think is the most valuable, which is complete nonsense. They that that's when they struggle with ego and and their own sort of self image. Let's let's right. let me ask you a question here. So, well, hang on. Let me let me let me uh, go let on. Me. Go on. Go on. Good. So, I think that's two things. Uh, I think I like to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they're getting a flood of messages every day, and it's like overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So that could be one thing. But most of the time, when the people with the least give the most, and I think that's true for anything 
um, especially photography. Cause once you kind of get it, you're like, well, I've arrived. This is, this is mine now. I earned this. Nobody, a lot of, when people really make it, whether it be whatever, anything, it's normally, they don't look at what like got them there. They just looked at like, they did that. Like they, they earned that. So it gives right. them the right to be whatever way. But I will say like, if I, if I post something, most of the time it's something when I say something stupid or controversial, uh, <laughs> I'll have like, I have like six, 7,000 people look at my Instagram stories and I'll get like a hundred, 200 messages. And I, I just can't normally I open it up. I read it and I like tap the like button, like to like it, to let somebody know that I've seen it, but I can't respond to everybody when it's like that. Most days I can, cause I'm not, I don't get like a flood of me. I might get like 15, 20, but like on a day like that, it's hard to like do that. And if every day you're getting a hundred messages, it's hard to like respond to them all. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, no, I'm not saying it's not, it's not like, Oh no, I, I got you. I just, I like, this is why me and you get along. You're, you're like the British negative version of me and I'm the positive American. See, we see you're, you're color positive. I'm black and white negative. That's how it That's is. That's very true. Yes. That was a terrible pun. Um, you're going to have to kind of take me through this a little bit. Cause I'm definitely, I was very late to the party with, with all of this and we spoke on your uh, we spoke through your live you did last week on Instagram and we've had on on top of the last podcast that we did, I think we've maybe had five or six fairly extensive conversations at one point or another. For people that don't know, we're, we're going to kind of ease our way into this. What is or was Restore from Backup? So let's see, this is 2021. We started it 2019. It was either 2019, 2020, one of the two. So I started an account with my friend Zach called Restore from Backup. And we wanted to make a features page where we feature photographers. Most of them suck and they just want like attention. And I think that they've like, most of that's true. When somebody's like, they're just doing it for attention. Most of the time that is, that is very true. Um, But we wanted to do something different and we wanted to make a community and I know you, you love community. Uh, so, but we made, we made it, we made a Facebook group. We had a website at one time where we were like interviewing people. Um, there's a company called Tog Tees, another photographic supply. They made t-shirts for us. Uh, we did a community zine where people submitted photos. We put it together and sold it. Uh, we had a discord, we had a Facebook group, a Twitter, we had all kinds of things and it grew and grew and grew. And it got to the point to where it had like 57, 58,000 followers on Instagram. Uh, and then part of that was Han was with us. She, she joined us within the first like six months and, and did a lot of heavy lifting as well. Um, so we decided to delete it. This was this year, early this year, 2021. So we deleted it, started over. We did giveaways and things like that. And people would like give us cameras to give away. We did like a holiday giveaway where people gave us zines and donated a bunch of stuff. Um, Static age zines. Uh, he's in the, he's in the UK. He sent me like a box of stuff and um, we, we based everything off community. So then we decided that we grew so big, but the problem is that the way we grew, a lot of that was through like giveaways and giving away things to people. So of course people followed us. Um, so we decided uh, just to delete it and start over again. So we deleted it, started all over again. And, uh, that's it. I did it until 
two months ago, three months ago. And then I, I walked away. Han walked away early this year. Then I did. And then about a month later, Zach did. So now it's, it's ran by two other people now, Victoria and Edmund. And in terms of, uh, I mean, people would probably draw parallels, especially in terms of the timing between that folding in, in, in the original sense that it was, and then you moving to digital in part. And the, I think, yeah. I think there are people probably, and I, again, I was late to the party on this and I, I cannot tell you how far I try and get away from pointless drama. And any drama too. that isn't life-threatening to me is pointless at this point. I think we've had, especially thanks to America, like you guys just don't know when to fuck off with the politics, but thanks to the last few years, everything is the end of the world. Yes. So I'm at the point now where I'm just kind of, can the world just hurry up and end? And until it does actually end, I'm just not going to stress too much over pointless drama. And everything beneath the building I'm in burning down, someone I care about being ill or me getting hit by a train or something, everything other than that just isn't that big of a deal anymore. Yeah. So w- were there parallels between your... I- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be uh, a bit honest here. Is there a parallel between you, like, you being a bit disillusioned with film or moving away from film and Restore From Backup kind of not being of an interest to you anymore? Yeah, a little bit. I think, well, I think um, people lost interest in me a lot. Like I, I, the film community is great in a lot of ways and a lot of ways it it like really fucking sucks. And one way that it really fucking sucks is that they don't, they don't care what your picture is. They care what you took it with. And if you didn't want, if you didn't take it with a film camera, a lot of people, they just don't want anything to do with you. They don't, they don't respect that it's made with, with a digital camera. They see that as being inferior. They don't, they don't want anything to do with digital photos. They, they're strictly film and film only, which is fine. I felt the same way too. Uh, I felt the same way until I got my Fuji last year, this time last year, I was, I, I, if, if somebody took a photo with digital, I saw it as like, not, not cheap, but like, it just didn't have the same feeling to it. And it's stupid. It's just kind of stupid because the person's right. work is the, the same. Um, so I noticed this when I got the Fuji, I posted like a, like a couple of photos and I'm like, Oh, I really like this thing. And people in our Facebook group were like, this doesn't belong here. You can't post these photos here. And I'm like, well, to be honest in my fucking group, I'll kind of post what <laughs> I want to do, you know? But then I was like, then somebody was like, there's like people that shoot both. And they were like, well, how about we, if you post a digital photo, you just say like, it's digital. Like you say what it is. So people know right. what it is. And so we did that. And like that caused like a major divide. Like I ran a poll and I'm like, oh, should we allow digital photos in our Facebook group? And it was like pretty much 50, 50. I think it was like 55, 45 and the film only one. So that's what it was. But like, I know, I like, I noticed right then, like as, as I, I've had people on like people that I like, I followed back and supported and bought their prints and their scenes from and like all kinds of stuff. I've had people unfollow me when I switched to digital or maybe they, they unfollow me because I ran my mouth and said something stupid, which is possible too, uh, <laughs> which is probably quite possible. Uh, but I noticed when I started posting digital photos, a lot of, I got like, I lost, lost a lot of people and like that doesn't bother me. 
what bothers me is he's like some of these people were like people that I like supported and right. I liked. So it was like, and it wasn't so much like, Oh no, I lost, I lost followers. Like, no, it was more like I lost some people that like, I liked, like I, now I don't want to call them friends or whatever, but I knew them as acquaintances and I yeah. liked their work. So I clearly just because I took it with a digital photo, like my style hasn't changed. Like the way I shoot. For sure. Looking at it, like from an outside perspective and, I'm one of the most reluctant photographers going in the sense that I can't stand conversations about uh, would you buy this lens or that lens? Which prime is right for you? Why Nikon is better than Canon or whatever. I can't stand any of those conversations. If you ask me about why I use something, I can give you a very clear answer. And I'm more than happy to help out when I'm asked a specific question. But if if you want to try and piss up my leg and tell me that this camera system is better than that one, you you go for it. You have fun. You do what you want to do. I'm not going to argue with you. If that's what, you know, if that's what kind of tickles your bollocks and you go for it, that's your thing. But it's just, it does nothing for me. But that being said, it says something from a very outside perspective that film is so different from digital that people would need the label to be put on the image to avoid liking something if it was taken with the wrong medium. It shows you a real issue with, yeah. with people's motivation because rather than just like the picture because they like the picture, they need to work out whether or not they're allowed to like it. Because if it's the wrong medium, they're somehow betraying their own principles. But they're by identifying the fact that they'd need to have it pointed out to them, they're kind of admitting that their principles are kind of stupid anyway. Yeah. I mean, well, you see this like all the time. Like I still I'm not as involved with them as now, but uh they're my friends, so I still I chip in and we talk all the time but like i i started season film which was going to be another account like restore from backup and uh actually i got like i don't know this is, i'm on my third i just started a new one the other day um but uh anyways the our, my friend nick shared a photo and it happened to be digital on season film and it's supposed to be all film no digital photos and somebody's like i like this photo a lot but i'm just letting you know that it's film or it's digital Right. And it's like, well, you know, we made a mistake. It's like, whatever. Uh, but they like, they like to point that shit out, you know? And I get it. Like if it's supposed to be film only and you share something that's not film only, that'd be like, if you, you have a, an account and it's all portraits and then somebody shows a picture of a landscape and they're like, well, this doesn't belong here. Cause it's not the same thing. Yeah. But like, it's so broad. Like, I don't, I don't see, I don't see why it matters. I don't, I really, I really don't. As time gone on, I, I don't see why it matters. And then like, this new thing I started, like, I don't give a shit if you took it with a iPhone. I don't care what you took it with. Cause yeah. I did the same thing. I, as soon as I switched to Fuji, I'm like, Oh, I need a Fuji account to, cause there's no, there's like Fuji X passion and like Fuji love or something like that. And that's it. But like, I wanted to make like a restore from backup with Fuji, but they're like the f digital community has a different mindset than like the film community. But maybe it's just cause like, well, explain that, explain how they have a different mindset. I don't, I don't, I think that, that most digital people don't care what you took it with. Like, right. I don't think, I, I don't think they care that if like a film is like a photo is film or it's digital or whatever. I don't think they really, most of these people don't seem to care if you like overly edit it or you don't edit it at all or anything. You know, I think they're just like, they just like photography. And right. I'm sure there's a lot of people that like me that like film too, that are, that feel the same way. But there's a lot of people that are like, uh-uh. But I've never heard somebody that shoots digital be like, uh-uh, film's not welcome here type of thing. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, 
And a lot of them, like, I don't know. It's it's hard to say because it's like they they. I think it may be just like the way we're at right now, but everybody's like, oh, inc- being inclusive and stuff like that. But you're like, exclu- like excluding like a whole group of people that don't like photography, but just saying that you don't like digital. Yeah. But I think the, the digital side of things to me, I, I I come obviously from the digital side of things. I learned digital photography first. I still shoot significantly more um, digitally than I do with film. And when it comes to film photos, if I get one good one out of every five rolls, I'd be pretty chuffed. The difference with the digital community is you're right. I think they're more positive in a lot of, in a lot of sense. And and there's one thing for sure with with digital um, photography. If someone asks you what you use to take a picture and it's digital, they're they're asking because they like the picture and they want whatever it is that got you to that result. Whereas when someone asks you what you shot it with from the film side, I've noticed quite often they have a a reason why you shouldn't have or why something else would have worked better or what they would have used instead. And that, that side of it can be, that's what I found the least accessible for me. I have to say I've been extremely blessed with having the podcast and then trying to learn film photography because I've managed to find, and through, through people like yourself, including yourself being one of those people, managed to find lots of photographers that have all been extremely helpful either in information they've given or just the work they produce, the information that they give out to the general public anyway. But the amount of people that will answer questions I have at like, you know, three in the morning and I'm just like, I can't figure out my ass from my elbow. And they help me out through with no, with no, you know, they don't get anything back for helping. They're just nice people. There's a lot of that with, with, with film, I think, you know, you kind of nailed it earlier. There's a lot of, you don't like to say the lower end, but the people that aren't trying to be notorious are very helpful um, and they have a lot of time for each other. And, and that's really wonderful. With digital, my downside with digital, and this is a really bizarre one, and this is my, my absolute bugbear at the moment with photography, is that they will accept the shittest photos as being good, provided they can see BTS of it being shot. So there's one particular photographer in England and I don't care what anyone says. Everyone wants to pretend that it's like Mary Poppins. They fucking love everyone, but they don't. There are people that annoy you and you don't even have a good reason for why they annoy you. And there's this one guy in England. He takes these incredibly, uh, they're, they're so middle of the road. They're just nothing photos. They, they are, they would never stop someone in their tracks. If you were flipping for a magazine, they would look out of place because they're mundane. There's nothing interesting about them, but he puts out incredibly detailed BTS of everything that he's doing. No matter how crap the pictures are, that he gets like thousands of people telling him how great he is or how fascinating he is or what it's so interesting to see what led to the shot. And the BTS now is more interesting than the final product. And I think this is where digital is very different from film. Film photographers love the results, right? They love the look of 400H or they love the look of portrait or they look, love the look of uh, the, the black and whites, the way that you get different, like a lot of digital black and whites, people just click black and white on Lightroom and then fuck off. They don't put a lot of thought into it. With film, they love the results. With digital, I think they really like the process. They like being a photographer, if that makes sense. <laughs> 
Yeah, but I see it oppositely. Oh, I, come I on. Now see, you're just now you're just picking on me. No, 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 no. I see people like film for the process. I, that's why I like film. I like loading the film up. I like, you know, you take it. You don't know what you got, and you have to wait for it. I think a lot of film photographers like the the process of that. But are you talking about James? Is his name James? The guy you're talking about? No. Oh, okay. Well, I'm thinking of another English YouTuber. Her name is, his name's James. I love his. Oh, stuff, this guy. But- this guy's not on YouTube. As far as I'm now, now I'm oh. going to search. I'm going to find out he is, and it's going to piss me off even more. But oh, yeah. no, it's not no, James. This guy, this guy, yeah, I follow this guy, James. I love his stuff, but he's like funny. And he's, he's like, like you said, he's like, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff and things like that. Uh, but yeah, like I, I, well, I think digital people like, they just like gear. It's like gear, gear, gear. This is the latest camera. This oh is my like, God. This, I've just this, Googled this. the guy and he actually has a YouTube channel. So you've just pissed me off. I could oh, have nice. lived happily without knowing that this guy that I don't like has Oh man, that's that's we've you had to well you've successfully ruined name. my day. I hope I hope you're happy. Well, I am. Yeah, you have to message <laughs> me his name so I can I can look at him. Yeah, I think I think that uh, a lot of a lot of digital is just is gear, which is you know what's funny about like like what I've noticed with digital stuff is like even myself like I got this XT4, I love it. It's like as soon as I got it and I've gotten comfortable with it, I'm like maybe I should get like a GFX. 100s right and like you're like kind of looking to like that next thing yeah. and with film i did the same thing i mean I, last year i probably bought like 15 16 cameras that year and now i've sold i've never known someone in my life i have to make one confession about you like huh. you i think in the time i've known you which is only like a little bit over a year you have told me at least three times that that's it this is the camera yeah. i'm going with yeah. going forwards and then like within days there'll be a, a new post on your instagram saying you know i got this now so this and i'm like well how did that change in like four days i get a lot of shit for that trust me <laughs> if i get <laughs> if i get shit for something that's probably it because like the other day i was like does anybody have a like a 240 if so how do you like it like i just i don't know i like i like cameras but now i only have this in my rb67 i've sold everything i sold my rolly flex everything so i only have one digital and one film that's all i got and you got the wrong digital as well, because although you did get the X-T4, you bought the all black one, which is the yeah, least no. good looking one. Yeah, well, that's debatable. Um, <laughs> I got the right lens, though. This is the I love this 35 F1.4. It's got a it's got a good look to it. Yeah, it's it's the I mean, I've having shot, especially having shot weddings with with the Fuji stuff. I know that the best lens Fuji make is the the 16 mil 1.4 by a, a country mile that is the best lens they make like if there was one lens i could pull out of that system and use on any other camera that's the one lens i would take by just I've, an I've absolute mile there's plenty of nice lenses in there but when i when i decided to sort of bite the bullet and go back and have a fuji just for my own personal stuff i messaged you straight away and i was like hey you you know yeah. you, you shoot fuji you're now the the fuji ambassador of my of my Instagram feed. What's, uh, what, what, what say you about a lens? And you gave me the advice and I was actually on a, on a bike at the gym at the time. And I bought the lens while I was talking to you because of your recommendation. And that's again, another sign of, of how good the, the community side of photography can be where you can actually go to someone that you trust their opinion and, and someone like you can answer straight away. But here's the proof I have for why I'm right about the process versus the results and digital versus film. Okay. I literally can't tell you a single person I know of who shoots digitally that's released a zine. This is true. Right? They'll shoot, they'll shoot, and they'll shoot, and they'll shoot, and they'll shoot, and they'll shoot. 
never and they'll never film. release anything. And then you get yeah. people that will go out with three rolls of film and they'll get five zines out of it somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've already like, I've already said something. Cause I'm like, at the coach, I was like, I'm going to shoot black and white only this, this like month. And I'm already thinking like, maybe at the end I should put together a zine. Um, yeah. The black and white photos. Well, then yeah, you'd be this, the only person I know that shoots digital and does a zine and I would buy it because I'm a good person. Thank you. I appreciate that. Not many people will. I'm going to have to put a disclaimer on it. These photos <laughs> are not film. These are digital. So yeah, you'll still get, you'll get people buy it and then complain. That's what, that's, yeah. the, that's the way we work. That's a capitalist well, world. For every person that has left me for, because I don't shoot digital anymore, another Fuji person has replaced them. So it's right. like a, like a revolving door of people leaving and coming. Yeah. Well, there's, I, I got shared, I got shared for the first time by an actual film company. Oh, um, nice. I had, I had an image of mine shared by a film company. And I think I, I gathered about a hundred followers immediately nice. from that, which is very nice. And, and then I was telling my wife and I said, uh, cause I, I, I really couldn't give, and I mean this nicely, but I couldn't give the slightest fuck about followers and things like that. It just doesn't mean anything to me. If you right. have three people like your photo, that's amazing. Like three yeah, people yeah. liking something you've done that you, they have no yeah. obligation to like it. That's really nice. And the, 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 uh, the appreciation for that doesn't go up with more numbers. And I don't think that the photo is better with more numbers because, you know, I think the world record highest liked image on Instagram is an egg. So it's yeah. just like a random stock image of an egg. So, you know, it's all bullshit yeah. at this point. Yeah. Well, it's, it's crazy. Cause like, uh, if you think of it in terms of like putting these people in a room and like, I, I probably have like a hundred to 200 people that are like cons- constantly, no matter what I do, will like support me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, I'll, I'll do the same for them. Anytime they got something, I'll, I'll return the favor. Um, but if you get 200 people in a room, that's a lot of fucking people. Yeah. You know, you gotta like think yeah. of it like that. Cause somebody was saying like, I was bitching the other day. And cause like Instagram's like a wave and it really does make you feel like when you post something and it does terrible, you're like, maybe this photo is not good. And like, it's, that's part of it's probably true. Uh, but part of it's just like, well, this is just how social media is and not everything has to like go viral per se. Uh, but still like four or 500 people liking a photo is, that's a lot of fucking, that's a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I, I went through a phase, especially when I started photography, where I would post uh, a picture that I took, and it was usually crap, and it was usually with some horrendous editing, and my mum would send me uh, a list of what was wrong with the photo, you know? Nice. So that was my that was my gauge of feedback, and I remember, I remember one image, I knew I'd made it as a photographer when my mum sent me a message that said, I quite like that model. That was it. I was like, okay, so she hasn't said it shit. I'll take it. That's as good as it's going to yeah. get. I've, I've reached the top of the mountain. Um, I think, I think you're right. You know, um, I've watched quite a lot of philosophical kind of YouTube videos lately and read a lot of articles and I've been on an absolute binge of buying photo books. Yeah, I saw, I saw you, you picked up some good ones. Gordon Parks, Vivian Mayer. This is some good ones. Yeah. I mean, as far as street photography goes, I know next to nothing um, and having those books lying around are definitely going to help me educate myself. I'm uh, the William Eggleston stuff, honestly, is my favorite. And uh, although I'll yeah. never be that kind of photographer, that's, I think you, you should enjoy something that you don't do. Like that's yeah. one thing uh, people yeah. get way yes. too buried in is like, they, they only yes. look at photography that is the kind of photography they wish they were doing. Right. You can get inspired by 
stuff outside of what you want to be doing. You should you should be inspired by it. But this idea that you need to be immediately validated by other people or your work is no good, that's like the most toxic thing, I think, for someone that's trying to learn something, someone that's trying to find their identity with with something that they're creating, is to think that whether or not you did something worthwhile is dependent on other people approving of it. Especially when you look at, I mean, how many photographers get found after the fact or, they, you know, artists oh, yeah, that get sure. fined get found way after they they've they've gone or their work becomes popular when when you know years and years after it's produced just take photos that mean something to you and then everything else after that is just gravy yeah yeah do you own do you own modern color do you own that book yet i don't think i do yeah that's that that's my favorite photo book before i forget to tell you uh fred is all modern color just perfect uh actually saying that uh yeah i do actually that's, that's that's my favorite. Last one. week, I, I when I say I went on a binge, I was getting about four to five books delivered a day. So nice. Yeah, there you go. I'm still working my way through them, obviously. Yep. Like uh, somebody said that before, like a photo book would do you better than any kind of lens or any kind yeah. of new camera that you can buy. Like you'll learn, you'll get way more out of a photo book than you will a new piece of gear. So I, I like the hunt. I like the. Uh, that's what I liked about film cameras. It was like the hunt for like the perfect one. Like after I had my mind, I'm like, I want this. And now I'm going to go on like a two week hunt to find a perfect one. And then when it arrives, I put four or five rolls to it and sell it uh, right. on to the next one. But you got to take everything of what I say with a grain of salt. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm super, I'm super uh, like, I, 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 ha- I get these things in my head and it's like, I want to do this and this is my goal. I'm going to do this. And then I do it and I'm like, okay, on to the next thing. Yeah. Like, when I got my Fuji, I was like, I want to be a Fuji ex photographer. And then I hit them up and they're like, Oh, we can like let you loan a, uh, X 100 V and you could be a Fuji collaborator. And I talked to Fuji on the phone for a while and they like followed me on social media. And then after it happened, I'm like, okay, I don't want to do this no more. I'm like, on to the next thing. <laughs> I just like to do things to know that I could do it, even though I don't try to take it too serious. And then I'm like off to the next thing. It's an experience as opposed to being an entire identity. Yeah. Yeah, because well, I make it my identity for about six months, and then I totally change personalities. And that's fine. You're you're insane, and that's fine. We love you for yeah. it. That's that's what you can be. Um, I think we could probably talk for for ten hours straight and and go through every subject known to man. But I feel like we should probably draw a line under it there and save something for the next time. Most yeah. important thing, as always, is that I point as many people as possible in in your direction. So please tell me your Instagram website, your OnlyFans, anywhere that you want people to go to find what you do. Um, I'm on OnlyFans at Butt Cheek Butter. Uh, <laughs> that's, not, that's not true at all. Do not search uh, that. <laughs> butt Cheek Butter. Uh, uh, no, I'm uh, Jaser, J-A-S-E-R dot Hunter. Um, if you like Restore from Backup and what I did before, I started another little project a while ago. Uh, it's Anybody's welcome. It's called Two Hour Photo. Um I'm trying to like reach out to people and have them tell me about themselves and then share a series of photos versus like picking a photo from a pool. Um, you know, I'm trying to do it like a little bit extra and make it like a little bit more special. So you really learn about somebody and just set up just one photo that's out of context with a name behind it. Um, but that's, that's pretty much, I have a Fuji mag and season film, but I really don't do too much with those anymore. So it's pretty much just these two now, my personal work and that. Well, I feel like as well, following you is great value for money because 
like you said, you change personality so much. You get lots of different people for just the one follow. It's great. That's that's the best part about it. Um, you're almost like your personal account is almost like a feature account for all of your different personalities. It's wonderful. Yeah. Well, I try to not be a gatekeeper and and share whatever catches my eye. I'll share it in my stories and other people's work. Um, you know, it's 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 like a catch twenty two. I could talk to you about that on another podcast about how social media is and like how how people portray things and twist things and things like that. Uh, Cause nobody believes anything. Nobody believes people just do things out of the goodness of their heart. And that's made me kind of negative. And now I'm back to being positive again. I switched personalities. <laughs> well, like I said to you a while back, we want to get you a uh, guest hosting so that people don't have to listen to my voice. They can listen to yours and you can, you can bring someone new into the fold. Oh, Hey, hey I, would love that. That's like my, my biggest problem that I found is no shit. Talk to the people that are my friends that have helped me with projects and stuff. But the problem is that like, I like to hit things hard and go for it. And I've noticed that some people want to just dip their toes into things. But if I'm, I've been wanting to start a podcast for years, I just don't have the right person to do it with me. Well, they can go and check out your only fans and then uh, see what they think of you from there. Cause you certainly don't dip your toe in there. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me and uh, we'll see you soon. Yep, of course. Thanks for having me. I'm a selfish kind of person When a soul trying to fly I aim to break the laws of nature I learn to love before I die